Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast. August 19th. One of Star Trek's biggest icons. Or celebrity fans. Or both. We'll be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek Voyager alumni, Raphael Sparge. I'm in a period of growth and expansion, taking a long, hard look at the world and what's happening in it, analyzing and thinking. I'm, I'm trying to become acquainted with the universe, with the part of it that I occupy, and trying to settle for myself what my relationship to it is. What a great reading by Raphael. He just read that so wonderfully. Uh, and it is our pleasure to welcome our guest host this week, singer-songwriter, artist, advocate, William Matthews. William, welcome to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Hey, thank you for having me, Rachel and Trent. I'm so excited to be here. Yay! Yeah, so let's go ahead and throw this to you. What are your first thoughts when uh, you first heard this quote? My first thoughts were how much I resonate with what Gene is talking about here. Because as an artist, I'm very self-reflective. And I think mm -hmm. any of us that are doing anything related to art, we're always asking that question, the bigger why, the bigger, what is out there? What is my place in it? You know, sometimes it feels like uh, as artists, we can be a little, have dreams of grandeur, right? Or we think we outsize mm -hmm. our role in the cosmos. But what I love what Gene is doing here, he's kind of He's doing something really uh, appropriate. He's He has the right amount of confidence in terms of how he's able to present himself in the cosmos. Like, I'm here. I'm small, but I'm a part of it. I matter yeah. in this. And uh, I'm trying to figure out which space I occupy in this grand thing. So as an artist, a writer, I'm always asking these big questions of, does my voice matter? Does what I have to say resonate with anyone else? And what is my relationship to to everything and see, it sounds like gene was doing the same thing with star trek i love this quote william and trent for a lot of the things you just said william because mm -hmm. i'm sort of reminded i don't know the date from when this quote was um said by gene but it kind of reminds me of the just uh basking in the afterburn of success right yeah mr rodberry had the TV show, fought to get it on, right? Gets it on. And then most of us, and I'm going to, because I'm an actor, writer, whatever, and most of us in the arts, uh, a lot of times buy into our own hype, right? Yep. We get this big thing and we sort of, um, we sort of think we're the center of the universe, that we are the sun. And this quote I love so much because it implies that Gene Roddenberry knows he's not the center yeah. of the universe. He mm -hmm. is trying to figure mm -hmm. out his part in it. And again, I think that 
how we respond to success, how we respond as we climb up the ladder is individual, but it's super important because I found the more I climbed up, the more I didn't know, you know, as opposed Mm. to I know everything. But we all know in Hollywood that a lot of people are the opposite of this quote. Right, Trent? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, and I love how honestly self-reflective Gene is being uh, in this quote. Uh, We tend and I especially tend to think of Gene Roddenberry as such a giant, as such a big voice. And, you know, he is the creator of one of the most enduring sci-fi franchises of all time. Mm -hmm. And here we are 55 years later, still talking about and relishing in his words, his work, uh, everything that he he left us with. And, you know, so many of our quotes, uh, you know, I get the sense that they come from a from a, a Gene Roddenberry that were he was fully formed when he makes a lot of his declarations about his love affair with humanity and uh, you know, the role that science fiction plays in in entertainment and in education in 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 some regards. And this quote gives us a taste of what it was like for him to come to those conclusions. Like he's being very self-reflective, you know, I am in a period of growth and expansion. So he's he's burying that part of him in in this quote. It might be like a speech that he gave. He gave a lot of commencement speeches and he spoke at a lot of conventions. And it seems like, you know, whether he was writing to another group of artists or just a group of fans, that he was trying to relay that just like everyone else trying to figure out their place in the universe. And that sound, it can sound a little cliched, but we all tend to go through this self-reflection at some point, whether we have success or not, whether it's just any given Monday and you're you know not really wanting to face the week ahead. Like, wh- what is my place in the universe? And um, and I love that Gene is, is sharing this this part of self-reflection. Trent, what I love about what you just said and, and this quote, what you pointed out was um, he's not saying you all need to, mm. which is, you know, a lot of us get uh, get on our soapboxes, right? Or I've mm-hmm. become enlightened. So you're not, you're nothing because you're not as an enlightened. Mm-hmm. None of that in here and none of that in, in the, any of the quotes we've read. And I feel like this quote, right, probably 40 years old or whatever, yeah. is so applicable mm-hmm. to right now because look at us for America. Let's say the I mm. is America. America is in a period of growth and expansion. America is taking a long, hard look at the world and what's happening to it, analyzing and thinking. America is trying to become acquainted with the universe and with what part America occupies and trying to settle right. it for America's sake, right? Like, uh, that's kind of how I feel because we are in such a... Listen, William, you can't see William, but he's brown as well. So yes, I'm pretty sure... <laughs> Wait, I have another question for William. William, do you like jars of clay? <laughs> you know, I, I spent many years doing Christian music. So That's why I'm I have asking, to, because I, I have actually say, really like yeah. jars of clay, actually. <laughs> they, lo- they were some of the coolest in Christian music. I'll I, give you, yeah. Yeah, here's the deal. And I'm segueing to that because I knew his background, right, in Christian rock. Mm-hmm. And I've always been yeah. uh, kind of fascinated by it because I love rock. The only musical I like, I don't care, Hamilton. The only musical I like is Jesus Christ Superstar, Superstar. because uh, it is the ultimate hippie musical. And it all makes sense. Well, uh, and it is the granddaddy of Christian rock. Right? It is. Well, I think you bring up something, both of you, something really interesting. Gene sounds like a mystic here. He sounds like a Christian mystic. And, Ooh, a Christian um, mystic. Yeah, Do think tell. of like the Jesuits and the, the early church fathers and mothers. Um, he sounds to me, you know, like a modern day mystic would be a, a Franciscan monk named Richard Rohr. Like he's somebody who is becoming so self-reflective mm. in a way of reaching out to the to the greater cosmos. Like it's a, it's like you're an internal cosmos and the mystics always, you know, 
taught that the inner life was so rich and full. And, and you know, that's why they took vows of uh, silence and they did like monastic orders and, um, you know, disciplines of prayer and fasting and seclusion, you know, and also like vows of poverty to the poor because they realized there was an inner world in which God could inhabit, right? But that mm-hmm. also was reflective of the greater outer world, right? Like that that God was the God of the cosmos. And I think mm-hmm. in Gene's own way here as a humanist, he's he's humbled himself to realize I am not, like you said about Hollywood, folks, I live in Hollywood too. You know, we're not hot shit, <laughs> you know, like we often think we are. But actually, uh, if we can recognize our place in the universe, then we can really be of service. And I, it seems like Gene recognized that his role was to be of service and to be a vessel. And again, that's just like the Christian mystics and the monks and, and the, the Desert Fathers. Beautifully said, William. You know, and this quote also shows us that Gene is doing the work that he so often talks about in many of, of, of the quotes that we've discussed already. The work of analyzing and thinking. You know, he's not just sitting, you know, not that there's necessarily anything wrong with this, but he's not like sitting on a mountaintop waiting for an epiphany to come to him. Yeah. To, you know, to, you know, waiting for a message to necessarily come from, you know, any sort of uh, outside <laughs> force, which is completely fine. But he's he's doing the work. He's talking about the fact that he is uh, he's analyzing and thinking and probably changing and reforming his opinion of his place in the universe as he gets new information or as things work or do not work in his life. But not mm-hmm. blaming anyone mm-hmm. in this quote, which I kind of mm-hmm. love too, because I, I we were talking about this earlier. I don't know if you've noticed on Instagram, there's just a trend to kind of lean into our pain bodies, as Eckhart Tolle mm. would say, you know, uh, leaning into our trauma. And we all have trauma, right? But what yes. I, I feel like when we lean into it as personality, as my story for the rest of my life, I get a little concerned because it leaves off the part where we analyze and we think and we figure out how to live and coexist with our pain body. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Does that make sense to you guys? That's the spiritual journey though. Like is you can't spiritually bypass it, right? You can't just hop over the pain body, which I think sometimes that to me is bad religion, right? Any bad religious experience I've ever had is where people ignore the pain, you know, and try to like act like it doesn't exist. And I think you're right. I think there's been a pendulum shift into, okay, well, we're not going to ignore the pain anymore. So let's, let's talk about it. Let's put it out there. But that isn't all there is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That, Healing is a big part of things for me as a black person in America, yeah. right? Otherwise, I'd really understand that quote by, uh, uh, is it Baldwin who says to be a Negro in America is to be in rage? In a constant <laughs> state of rage, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's an old quote, obviously. We'd say black person today, but I'm doing it verbatim. Um, but mm-hmm. for anyone, not just black people, right? Everyone mm-hmm. could be enraged about different things. But if we put it, put our pain body here and start analyzing how we can move forward. That's the key, yeah. moving forward. How do we move forward with it, integrating it rather than ignoring it, dismissing it, you know, acting like it doesn't I'm exist. I'm very big on the integration of self via, you know, like Carl Jung. Uh, I wrote, uh, William, yeah. I wrote a, uh, a Jungian psychology-based tarot book, and I don't know if that is Tara into the heart it's fantastic. of it's Christians, because my black Christians have come down on me a little bit about it. Oh, uh, have I'm, they? But William, the whole point is, as, as Jean, and this quote and everything talks about analy- going into outer space and figuring all that. I'm saying, hey, man, let's check our inner space. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, and then we'll be mm-hmm. ready mentally 
for when the aliens land or whatever it is. <laughs> now you got me yeah. interested. I want to like read about your Jungian tarot or like ah, see them or Well, something. you know what? I'm I appreciate like... that you're like, oh, that's interesting before you judge it. I love that because that means you're you're a Christian, actually. Like a oh, real. Thanks. No, but I'm saying I don't know if you're still identified as Christian, but a real Christian says, let me check it out first, right? Before casting yeah. judgment. A real, a real Christian and also a real Star Trek fan, to me, this ah. is where the similarities are, yeah. are curious. You have to be curious Absolutely. about the world rather than, you know, coming with a predisposed judgment label, right? Or of who this person is or what their spiritual practices or, or how terrible it is, right? Like, and I, I grew up in that kind of religious space. Were you so in it's a been a hard work. Was it a fear-based religious? Oh, very fear-based, holiness or hell. My right. parents, mm-hmm. when they got married, they had wedding watches because Jewelry was considered a sin. So they gave each other, <laughs> instead of rings, watches. What, what was your religion, oh. may I ask, growing uh, just up? Pentecostal? Black, black Protestantism, oh. um, slightly Pentecostal, a little more liturgical. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, just mm-hmm. one of those one of those religions. I, anyone that's grown up religious, um, particularly in religious dogma, I like to use this anal- or picture metaphor to say that it's like, for a lot of us that grow up in this world, it's like we're, we grew up underground in a bunker because we were told the world wasn't safe. You know, and we had to hide mm-hmm. out and we had to mm-hmm. pretend and, you know, we were the only safe people or our crew, our clique, our church. And I feel mm-hmm. like my whole life experiment has been like climbing up from from, from the ground. I feel like Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> where I'm like, yeah. wait, give me, give me out. I wait, I know that. And I get to a bigger bunch, bunker and I'm like, is this freedom? No, this isn't freedom. Right. Just to, yeah. trying to get to that surface, you know, because uh, unfortunately, again, that's what bad religion does. It doesn't open you up to the world and show you to be curious. Bad religion makes you afraid. But good religion right. actually makes you curious. And and to me, again, good Star Trek makes you Tr- curious. Trent, yeah. were you raised religiously? Before we wrap this episode I, up, and we're lucky to, enough to have William Matthews for the whole week, but Trent, were you raised religiously? And how did that plan into sexuality? I was. I was. I was raised in a Spanish-speaking evangelical church. <laughs> My mother was born again and all of that. Uh, but I will say, of all of the experiences that I've heard about from other uh, evangelical experiences, I never experienced any of that. I did not go to a church where people hated, told me they hated me or spoke about hating anybody it, it just was not it just was they not saved it for what, us black people uh, william <laughs> especially I, in the white this churches is not, <laughs> this is not to say that all spanish-speaking evangelical churches are like that because i have you know become aware of them in, later in life but i'm just so grateful for the fact that uh the church that i grew up in was very nurturing for me and was uh very welcoming for my inquisitiveness when things did not make sense to me and i questioned them I had Sunday school teachers who would not shut me down or not make me feel devalued. They would answer the questions as best they could and encourage me to find answers within myself. And ultimately, I just realized it was not the philosophy that I that really resonates with me. But I'm grateful for the uh, the experiences that I had and the education in those Bible studies. So at least I have a point of reference and I understand and I do agree with you, Rachel, and you, William, when you talk about the fact that what bad religion is, and it is, in my opinion, any uh, teaching that preaches hatred or uh, doesn't even want to hear, you know, the uh, any arguments or, or, or discussions, it's just our way and that's it. 
And that to me is a bad anything. Yes, bad any anything. bad dogma, bad religion, bad but teaching, per, bad anything. But per this quote, I, I'm happy that you had Sunday school teachers, right, who at mm-hmm. least answered it over the questions because yep. this quote right here uh, is all kind of about I'm in a period of thinking, growing and expanding yes. and trying to yes. analyze and see. And when we are when when we ask a question in earnest and it's answered in earnest. We can learn and grow when we are smacked back and mm-hmm. told we are bad for even asking mm-hmm. the question. I, and that's something, obviously, that Mr. Roddenberry wouldn't co-sign other. He's like all about asking questions. Anyway, Trent, mm-hmm. we got to wrap this up. One last thing. I just just to put a last point on this uh, discussion for me about religion is as a young boy growing up, realizing that I was gay, I never harbored in my mind that. I was evil because because you know what I mean? Like some churches do teach that and you yeah. see it like you know, or in, in general. And that was never something that uh, resonated with me because I wasn't taught that. So not that they were encouraging, you know, we, you know, it was it was it, I didn't have that internalized. And I'm very, very grateful for that as well. No, That's I appreciate amazing. that they've changed the way they kind of mm-hmm. teach a little bit of religion. Not that I've been to church, but mm-hmm. I know when I yeah. was a little kid, it was like, you better fear it. You're fear. fear. And I was like, I'm so scared. So yeah. that wasn't yeah. the way to reach me. It probably worked for another personality type who was like, I love me some God. But for me, <laughs> anyway, anyway. All right. We're going to continue this discussion. Manana, Tread, where do the people go to see the video of Raphael Sparge? Yeah, you could check out all the videos of our friends reading our quotes on our official social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as Rachel mentioned, we're very lucky to have William with us all week long. So we hope you'll join the three of us again tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us. Post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.